For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems things like hard starts rough performance and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup sea foam can help your engine run better and last longer simply pour a can in your gas tank hunters and anglers rely on sea foam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. From Meat Eaters World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review with Ryan Cal Callahan. Now, here's Cal. Recently, in Kiowa Island, South Carolina, a client awaiting her appointment at a hair and nail salon ended up being drugged into the water by an alligator and drowned. Yes, you heard correctly. A lady waiting for her nail appointment was drugged into the water by a gator and drowned. The proximity of your nail salon to alligators may very well be a factor in your Google reviews. The 57-year-old woman was apparently getting too close to the reptile in an attempt to take a picture. The owner of the salon screamed at her to get away as the gator had taken a deer from the same spot. The woman refused. The proprietor's husband began running to the woman, assumedly to remove her from the water's edge in danger. At this point, the gator made its move by grabbing the victim by her leg and dragging her into the water. A rope was thrown to the victim by a neighbor drawn to the scene by the screams, which she was able to grab. Now she had help on one end and the gator holding her leg on the other. The proprietor's husband began beating the gator on the head with a shovel. Eventually, the gator performed a death roll, which caused the victim to lose her grip on the rope and be drug under. Just moments before being taken below the surface, the victim apparently looked at her potential rescuers and said in a very calm voice, I guess I won't do this again. She got that right. Deputies arrived to a calm pond and surveilled the scene for at least 20 minutes before the body surfaced. An attempt was made to retrieve the victim, but the gator still had a hold of its meal. Eventually, the alligator surfaced in an area that allowed a deputy to kill the reptile with his 9mm pistol. Both the body of the victim and the gator were retrieved and sent to respective facilities for autopsies. 
there have only been 23 reported alligator attacks in the state of South Carolina. Beaufort County, in which Kiowa Island is located, accounts for more than half of them. In fact, Hilton Head, the famed golf destination, is also located in Beaufort County, South Carolina, and it would appear that playing golf dramatically increases one's odds of being bitten by an alligator. In 1990, a golfer was bitten on the calf by a five-foot gator on Port Royal Plantation. 94, another calf biter on Shipyard Plantation Golf Course, this time a female golfer. 2005, a landscaper on a golf resort. 2009, a 77-year-old golfer loses an arm, and likely his game, on Fripp Island to a 10-foot gator. In addition to landscape work and golf, walking your dog proved to be both near-fatal and fatal on Hilton Head as well. Despite being occasionally problematic at the nail salon or the golf course, the American alligator is a conservation success story. Their status is now threatened, as opposed to their once federally endangered species listing. Alligators can be found from North Carolina through Texas, with a general proximity to the coast. But, as a U.S. Fish and Wildlife employee in Florida once told me, if you have water, from a bird bath to a swimming pool, you could have a gator. A female gator can lay between 20 and 60 eggs, and when hatched, the young will grow between 3 and 8 inches a year. These won't be considered adults until they hit 6 feet in length. That's roughly 9 years from egg till adult. Although many of the threats to the American alligator have been eliminated, the two major factors that continue to threaten them is the fact that they have an incredible instinct to return to their home locations. Relocated gators have been documented to return to the scene of capture after being dropped over 100 miles away. The other is humans, of course. We keep expanding into gator territory, and when we do, we set up little golf communities, complete with water features and nail salons, apparently. You know, places where Gator wants to hang out. If you can't relocate an animal, the animal is typically put down, shot, killed. Considering this inability to relocate a Gator after it becomes a nuisance, it is up to us to keep them from becoming a nuisance in the first place. Don't feed them and don't go for a touch-up on the nails and ignore the don't get too close to Gator's warning signs. This week... Three Toes, Wildlife Contest, Tiger Sharks, and so much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. I took off on yet another turkey adventure. I actually managed to locate some birds Friday night after a four and a half mile walk of no birds and a mix of old sign and no sign. Just before dark, I had a possible ambush scenario on a three pack of jakes. But as I rounded the corner to cut the birds off, four bull elk stood in my way. Hello there. So, I went back, camped in the back of the truck, set the alarm for 4 a.m. I walked into the zone about 4.20 a.m., trying to beat any hint of daylight in the open terrain. I coyote howled, crow called, owl hooted, and could not get a gobble. Eventually, I broke and gave a yelp, to which I got a half-hearted gobble in response. Of course, I wasn't where I really wanted to be, but there was a good tree, so I set up the two hen decoys I'd been packing around. I set them up for the most likely line of sight to the bird, not some sort of social scenario. The bird started gobbling, three in front of me, the jakes, one above, and one way below. Of course, my mind started turning and imagining the very far-off bird as the wise old gobbler. Then I heard the trio of young birds fly to the ground. 
I gave a yelp yelp at about 5.50 a.m. The Jakes walked up to one hen decoy, about 12 yards away, and gave her the cold shoulder as they walked to the other hen. The difference between the two, I do not know, but the bird they settled on is a Dave Smith decoy, so the Jakes must just like, you know, expensive fake women. At 5.53, I took the biggest of the three, and at 6.20 a.m., I was back changing at the truck. Then, fueled by quick success, I decided it prudent to go to another region in Montana where I have valid turkey tags, knowing that now that I had so easily bested three birds and put one on ice, I'd be able to collect two more before the weekend was out. Well... Four and a half hours later, I was in a new spot anticipating turkeys, which I could not locate for roughly seven hours. The bird, singular, that I did locate actually walked past my truck gobbling as I was staring at my Onyx maps trying to figure out my next move at 7.30 p.m. I followed this big rope-dragging boss Tom gobbler for another mile down to his roost, marked it on the map, and even laid my track on the app so it would know exactly where to be in the morning. Again, I camped in my truck with the alarm set for 4 a.m., began to plan, this time for a big old tom. I was going to bring the whole spread, both hens and a very sharp-looking Jake decoy. Obviously, what would happen is the old tom would get down, see the young Jake inspecting beautiful hens right in his landing strip, and run in to the waiting shotgun. This bird was as good as in the pot. The next morning, I'm in the spot, quietly and gently setting my decoys before even a hint of light. The old gobbler is calling. He doesn't even know he's as good as dead yet. I'm fiddling with my camo and my phone when all of a sudden I hear wings. He's flown down, and I don't even think it's legal shooting light yet. On top of that, he's flown to an opposite ridge. I fumble for my call hear him in response, and he starts to circle back around. I relax, knowing that old Tom is now back on my program. Then he gobbles continually from roughly my right elbow across my back to my left elbow and over the ridge to the left. I reposition and square up to his last gobble and scratch my slate call. Then there he is, standing tall on the little ridge, only about 30 yards away, looking down on the hen decoys. I should have shot him right there, but I had packed all this stuff with me in the dark for the purpose of him putting on a show, getting sucked into the hen decoys, cautiously approaching until he sees the Jake, at which point he loses his little bird mind and races in. But what happens is, he is quickly out of the shooting lane, he circles again, eyeballing in a way that if looks could kill, that little Jake decoy would have burst into flames. He continues to gobble as I realize that this is his last pass of the morning. I grab all my gear and pursue him until I'm covered in ticks and sweat. Counted six of the nasty little bloodsuckers on me at one time. That's a lot for our neck of the woods. I wander back to the truck, watch the rain clouds boil, make an elk tongue sandwich, pack my gear, and start heading home. On the road in front of me, That little storm knocked over three fire-killed pines, which, of course, was no match for the world's most perfect little truck companion, my steel MSA 200C battery-powered chainsaw. Bet you longtime listeners were wondering how I was going to get that steel plug in, huh? Well, I want to take a second 
to thank all of you longtime listeners, and one in particular, Megan in Utah. And, you know, we should thank your dad and mom as well, who gently nudge you toward the out of doors. I agree with them, by the way, which you probably hate to hear because you're 16. So, anyway, thank you, Megan. Thank you so much for listening and watching our shows and supporting Steve and Giannis and myself and the rest of the crew at Meat Eater. And you are correct. Finding ways to do what you love and what matters is a good way to go about life. So far, so good anyway. So get healthy. And while you are working towards health, remember, there are a lot of things you can do from the indoors to appreciate the out of doors, like starting a bird journal. Or uh, studying up on the stars, so when you finally get outside, you won't get lost. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it, and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. All right, moving on with a quick stop at the corrections desk. Be careful hunting with sticks. It may not be a legal means of take. Always look at your state and sometimes federal regulations as to what is a legal means of dispatching an animal in the area you are hunting. For instance, as the writer Ben Long is soon to point out on an article at TheMeatEater.com, if you hunt grouse with a stick, 
or, as the state of Idaho puts it, a hand-thrown missile, you are legal. If you do so in the state of Montana, however, you are not using a listed-in-the-regulations legal means of take. So pay attention. Next, oviparous, you lay eggs. Viviparous, you give birth to live young, but some of you, like the nurse shark, lay eggs inside your body that then hatch inside of you and then are birthed. Some snakes do this as well. You just can't make up your minds, and you are called ovi-oviparous. Moving on to the shark desk. O-Search recently tracked a female 10-foot tiger shark from Africa to nearly Indonesia, a nearly 4,000-mile swim across the Indian Ocean. This is the longest tiger shark migration ever documented, and the question is, what was her motivation? For those of you who are thinking that the ocean is just one huge body of water, of course fish and sharks swim around. Well, I get it, but that's not typically how a lot of these species work. In fact, that's what makes the ocean so difficult to understand. We don't really know how connected it is or isn't. When you talk about bluefin tuna imperiled, that is true in some populations, but in other populations, they're doing just fine. At least that's what we think. But tagged fish, or sharks like this 10-footer, may tell us that one population may be visiting another, or actually be part of the same population. Moving on. Whether you claim to love to hate wolves, you still kind of love them. We all do. Predators have been a huge part of the stories of opening up America. Cagey grizzly bears, untreatable lions, and the last of the wolves. At TheMeatEater.com, Spencer Newharth reports in his latest edition of Barroom Banter on Three Toes, the West's most notorious livestock killer. Three Toes the Wolf was a tri-state agent operating in Montana and North and South Dakota. From 1912 to 1920, the unmistakable print of Three Toes was synonymous with livestock killings. Dozens of hunters and trappers failed to kill the notorious wolf, During one pursuit, the wolf even stopped to kill 15 corralled sheep before carrying on with, you know, being chased. Eventually, the long arm of agricultural law stepped up to put an end to three toes. The USDA brought in a famous trapper to catch a famous wolf, which of course he did. And in true melancholic western fashion, three toes, even though alive at capture, succumbed not to his wounds, but from the broken heart caused by captivity. To find out just how much damage Three Toes did, go to TheMeatEater.com and look up Spencer Newhart's barroom banter. I'll give you a hint. In 1920s dollars, a loss of $50,000 was credited to the infamous wolf. Give it a read, it's a good one. And if you don't like these romantic notions of the West, and it's terrible wolves and bears... Just think of where poor old Leonardo DiCaprio would be without the Grizz. He couldn't very well win an Oscar by grunting and dragging himself through the British Columbia snow, trying to outcrawl some ungulate chewing on its cud. Moving on to the Colorado desk. April 30th, Colorado Parks and Wildlife have voted to eliminate wildlife contests, dealing with prairie dogs, coyotes, and all fur bearers. This vote is to amend an earlier rule that basically eliminated just coyote-killing contests in 2019. 
Colorado is not the first state to do this. California, Vermont, New Mexico, Massachusetts, and Arizona have all done this. Partial bans are in place in North Carolina, Utah, Washington, Montana, and Idaho. Why, I say you have to think about the Western spirit of man conquering the wild, yet praising the spirit of the wild in our barroom banter story is this. Coyote and prairie dog contests were not designed with the original intent of folks glory killing for fun and prizes. These contests were designed to draw enough rifles to a single spot, a township or county, that was experiencing agricultural and economic hardships, places where food-producing ground was being chewed up by prairie dog towns or a coyote population boom was coinciding with calving or lambing season. The practice just stayed for right or wrong, sometimes right, sometimes wrong. People who did not get a lot of socializing came together with a common goal in mind. They had a meal together and breathed collective sighs of relief when coyotes were turned in at the end of the contest, relief that the predator would not be taking spring lambs or calves. This occasional happening, of course, morphed into something else. All I can say is, don't blame the state. Some of the people who participated in these contests had already done their part in ruining them long before the state got involved. Instead of periodic contests aimed at management, the local communities held them every year in order to get the economic game from the gas and beer buyers. Contestants cheated by bringing in recently killed or previously killed and frozen animals from outside of the area in order to win the prizes offered, and on occasion, those same bad apples would go above and beyond in making sure that if anyone were to look at the contest, they would not see an attempt at curbing a spiking coyote or prairie dog population. They would only see bad behavior. What does not get said in these instances is that because of the lack of coyote or prairie dog contest, the result is not a super happy prairie dog town or coyote pack. The coyotes, if they become trouble, will likely be shot from a helicopter, paid for in part from the agricultural community. The prairie dog town will be poisoned, if not by the rancher, by the periodic plague that rolls through their communities. The only question I have for CPW is, Explain why you stop at fur bears and prairie dogs. A quick search on AmericanFishingContest.com showed 141 fishing contests in the state of Colorado. That's just scheduled for 2020. Why is one okay and not the other? Moving on to the ever-popular crime desk. First stop, New York State, outside of the town of Keysville, located in the Adirondacks, Two rock climbers are ticketed for failure to adhere to a route closure on Poke O Moonshine, which is a big rock face that has been identified as a peregrine falcon nesting site. Forest rangers and the DEC are working to monitor nesting activity and reopen routes that won't disturb the peregrines. The last time tickets were issued for a violation like this was back in 2000, so this doesn't seem like a common issue. In fact, I found where many rock climbing clubs volunteer time to help monitor the falcons. On a side note, I got to hunt with some falconers last year. Those birds can hit 200 miles per hour when they go into their stoop or dive. Very cool birds who, you know, nest in rocks, so stay off of them until the birds are gone. Next up, the birthplace of the blues, Mississippi. Fun fact for you, Mississippi has 204 native fish species. And it is the home of the teddy bear. It is also home to Kenneth Ray Britt, 
Tony Grant Smith, Alan Shelton Morgan, and Brianna Janine McKay. These four are not a new pop country band like Georgia Florida Line. They are, however, wildlife violators. They somehow managed to rack up about 280 wildlife violations in 2019. The charges are trespassing and the poaching of almost 100 turkeys, all in one season. I should note that Brianna Janine McKay only received five of those violations out of the 280 charged amongst the group, which just means she's doing less bad stuff. Remember, Brianna, it's hard to soar with the eagles when you're surrounded by turkeys. That's all I've got for you this week. Thanks for listening to Cal's Week in Review. As per usual, if you want to get a hold of me, write in to A-S-K-C-A-L at TheMeatEater.com. That's AskCal at TheMeatEater.com. Tell me what I'm getting right, what I'm missing, and what's happening in your area. Thanks again. I'll talk to you next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks, sent right to your door visit mauinuivenison.com that's m-a-u-i-n-u-i venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order